talking benefits. 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 Talking. Talking. Talk a little bit about benefits. Yeah, benefits. Talking benefits. You're listening to Talking Benefits, the podcast brought to you by the International Foundation of Employee Benefit Plans, a nonprofit educational association for those working in the benefits industry. Every month, we share the biggest news in benefits, hottest industry trends, and legislative developments. We cover everything from retirement to health care, ACA, and whatever else the benefits industry throws at us. I'm your host, Justin Held, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, the resident International Foundation benefit gurus, Julie Stick and Kelly Colesrud. Hello, all. We are back, and I think I finally come down from that holiday sugar high, so I'm ready to get back to business. Just a reminder that we are recording this podcast on Thursday, January 18th at 10 a.m. Central Time. And we've had some rather interesting developments since our last episode. Kelly, do you want to kick us off? Sure, but before I start, I just want to tell our listeners to stick around until the end because we have a big announcement. Okay, so on to tax reform. I'm sure all of you heard that the tax reform bill, officially known as the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, was passed and signed into law by the president on December 22nd. It most closely resembled the Senate's version of the bill when all was said and done. The biggest benefits-related provisions in the law were the repeal of the Affordable Care Act's individual mandate penalties and a new tax credit for paid family and medical leave. There were a couple of other provisions that relate to loans from retirement plans and tax deductions for employee meals, achievement awards, and commuter benefits, but in general the new tax law's effect on benefit plans was less than originally proposed. Very true, Julie. I will mention that although ACA's individual mandate penalties were repealed, the rest of ACA is currently intact, including the employer mandate. So that means employers still have to distribute and file the 1094 and 1095 forms. There's some good news for employers on that front. The IRS announced that employers and insurers get extra time to distribute those 1095 forms to individual workers. The deadline has been pushed out to March 2nd instead of January 31st, 2018, as originally scheduled. The deadline for filing forms with the IRS is not extended, however. Right you are, Justin. I'll also add that changes to some of ACA's provisions are being discussed as Congress considers what to include in the federal government funding bill. Before we leave the healthcare arena, we should share that the Department of Labor released proposed regulations on association health plans, or AHPs, on January 5th. Although AHPs have been around many years, under ACA, they were just not that advantageous. The new regulations propose changing the definition of employer under ERISA, thereby allowing small businesses and self-employed people to band together to purchase health insurance plans. By doing this, the new AHPs would become exempt from some of ACA's requirements, such as the requirement to provide essential health benefits. The regulations also allow for the purchase of insurance across state lines. And they include non-discrimination rules with regard to eligibility and premiums within AHPs. The public comment period for these regulations is open through March 6th. AHPs could be helpful for many people, but opponents have concerns about a history of inadequate coverage, insolvency, and fraud for similar plans. 
Plus, if lots of people opt for AHPs instead of the ACA health insurance exchanges, premiums in the exchanges are likely to increase. We'll just have to watch what develops on that front. Thank you for those updates. And moving on to our final topics, MEPRA and multi-employer pension plans. Uh, Throughout the past year, we've discussed certain plans applying to the Treasury for benefit reductions. For example, the most recent plan to receive approval from the Treasury Department for reductions was the International Association of Machinists Motor City Pension Fund from Troy, Michigan. After the Treasury approved their reduction application on November 6th of 2017, the participant vote opened up. The vote passed and reductions began on January 1st. In addition, more applications are under review, including the Alaska Iron Workers Pension Plan from Anchorage, Alaska, the Iron Workers Local 16 from Dundalk, Maryland, and Western States Office and Professional Employees Pension Fund from Portland. But Julie, I'd like to focus more on bigger picture, more long-term proposals that looks to fix these underfunded programs. Can you tell us about the Butch Lewis Bill? Yes, Justin. In November, Senator Sherrod Brown, a Democrat from Ohio, introduced Senate Bill 2147, the Butch Lewis Act, with 11 Democratic co-sponsors. It has now gained a couple more co-sponsors. In addition, Representative Richard Neal, a Democrat from Massachusetts, introduced a companion bill in the House, H.R. 4444, the Rehabilitation of Multi-Employer Pensions Act. The House bill now has 127 Democratic co-sponsors. On January 3rd, GOP Representative Peter King from New York announced he's in favor of the bill, giving it some bipartisan support. Julia, we talked about the bill's provisions during the last podcast that we recorded. One of the main provisions is to provide federal loans to plans that are having some difficulty. That's right. These would be long-term loans with low interest. With these loans available, plans would no longer implement benefit reductions. I will note that the loans alone would only help plans that can be saved. There are approximately 50 of the 110, quote, critical and declining plans that can't be helped by just these loans. They will need PBGC assistance. The bill also calls for additional government funding of the PBGC to cover this assistance. With both loans and PBGC assistance, central states and the others could be saved. That's correct. There has been some discussion that the Butch Lewis bill, or parts of it, may be attached to the federal budget spending bill, but that's still up in the air. We'll continue to monitor the Butch Lewis bill as well as other proposals aimed at assisting these struggling plans. Okay, so that wraps up the news, and now on to our announcement. Drum roll, please. We'll be taking a short break. Super short. Almost minute, even. (laughs) Okay, I think they get it. So we'll be taking a short break from putting out episodes. But don't worry, we'll be back in April with some exciting changes to the show. So hang in there. We'll be back before you know it. But in the meantime, the Foundation has lots of resources at your disposal to keep you updated, like the Word on Benefits blog, today's headlines emails, Benefits Transition Tracker webpage, regulatory updates, etc., Access all that and more at ifebp.org. And as always, if you like what you hear, please rate us on iTunes. It helps others find the podcast. And more importantly, if you haven't already subscribed, please do so via iTunes, the Apple Podcasting app, Stitcher, or whatever podcast app you prefer, so that our episodes magically and effortlessly appear on your phone or mobile device. So we'll catch up with you all in April. See you later. 
Today's program is copyrighted in 2018 by the International Foundation of Employee Benefit Plans. All rights reserved. The opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers and not to be used as legal counsel.